0: From the world's greatest library of film classics, we proudly present Greta Garbo, John Barrymore, Joan Crawford, Wallace Beery, and Lionel Barrymore in Grand Hotel. But first, a word from our sponsor. If you smoke the modern way, don't be fooled by phony filter claims. You are 300 feet below the surface of the North Atlantic on board the American nuclear submarine, Tigerfish 3. Your destination, a secret outpost at the top of the world, Ice Station Zebra. Take her up. get there before the russians on board one of these men is a saboteur who is determined to stop you oh i've already vouched for mr vaslov as for me you can safely eliminate me why No, oh, you must why a logical absurdity haven't you forgotten captain i'm in charge of this operation those orders come to you from your chief of naval operations and direct to him from your president so before we go any further i suggest that you Get me there. Put another torpedo up the spout. Blow a hole in the ice. And get me there! Move it to the air! Hold it, hold it! I can't hold this much longer. You've got to! then you arrive at Ice Station Zebra. Captain, radar has reported unidentified aircraft. Estimated time of arrival, 17 minutes. A race against time at the top of the world. Estimated time of arrival, 9 minutes. Rock Hudson, Ernest Borgnine, Patrick McGowan, and Jim Brown. Time of arrival fighting two enemies, the one they can see and the one that they can't. Ice Station Zebra.
1: be so hard on yourself. It's all good. Hey, hi. I guessed. I guessed right. Yes.
2: Wait a minute, I should turn my mic on. How about that? We're off to a blazing start here. Alright. <clears throat> so, we have a tale of epic epicness going on right here. Um, we are going to be talking about this month's vinyl Movie of the Month. And that is Ice Station Zebra from 1968, Uh, directed by John Sturgis, starring an all-star cast. Well, not entirely all-star, but we've got Rock Hudson, we've got Ernest Borgnine, we've got Patrick McGuinn, yes, Mm -hmm. the prisoner, Uh, Jim Brown, the famous football player Yeah, uh, in one of his, uh, not his first acting role, but uh, definitely an early one there. Yep. And uh, music by Michel Legrand, who previous to this uh, was probably best known for uh, "Umbrellas of Cherbourg." Which, um, if you're able to stay with us and we're still uh, on the air, uh, we'll be visiting sometime in 2019, probably when we get to the letter U in our trek through movies of the month. Wow! Um, French
1: film. I'm. Getting... You are
2: correct. Yes, okay. it is a French film. Yep. Um, but so yeah, he also did the the the. Um, music for this as well. Yeah. Uh, it was very dramatic music and oh we, had some, yeah. we had some, we had some prologue music mm-hmm. and we had some intermission music and we had some act music. Yeah. Uh, so all, all kinds of tracks to listen to yeah. as well as uh, very dramatic uh, music and also very kind of subdued music when we're underwater because after all, this is part of it, half of it in fact, a film about, um, whatchamacallit, submarines. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, let's—we're uh, going to eschew some uh, technology here because it's not really necessary. Yeah, talking nah. to each other, man. Um, and levels are looking good, so you know that's good. Okay, good. Um, we're here. We're live. Exactly. So let's let's start off with uh, some questions here first. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever been on board a submarine?
1: No, not even like. At a theme park or anything like that. Uh, oh, wait. No, I walked on to one. Yeah. Like at Disneyland, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, there, there was the, uh, the stationary one that's just like sitting there. Yeah,
2: well No, I think it is actually, there was actually the, um, the uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ride once upon a time in Disneyland. Okay. And then I think it became like a Little Mermaid ride, of course, when that yeah. brand came along.
1: But that's about as far as. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, never been pressurized yeah no and i have been uh there's uh in baltimore there's a submarine called uss torsk which was used in world war ii so you get to go down on there and i can tell you uh uh, not nearly as roomy as um the tigerfish portrayed in this film
1: sure yeah Um, the tigerfish did look roomy was it i don't know if it was actually a submarine that they were filming on for ice station zebra or not i i don't know that
2: yeah it looked like i mean definitely the you know certainly could be it seemed a little roomy to me Um,
1: yeah yeah and certainly I mean the rest of the it was was, uh, great because the film uh, was such a they they had great uh, sets you know yeah for for the whole thing definitely Uh, so it was a great combination of like Really well-made sets, and then actual submarine footage, which was uh, mm-hmm. dated though it was, was still actually pretty fun to watch. Yeah, just the simple act of a submarine breaching mm-hmm. and going back down so into the water. So much So much diving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I know. The first, like, once you get on board and you're headed up to the North Pole, it does feel like there's a good 15 minutes cumulatively. That's just like. Dedicated to the submarine enthusiast. Like, yes, watch exactly. Watch it go up. Watch it go down. Look at the bubbles.
2: Yep. You know. And so, of course, I'm thinking like, wow, all those dudes trapped in there for you know, however long at a time. Plus, they're smoking. Yeah. Air quality cannot be good on that submarine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's gotta be pretty rough. The times they are a <laughs> Uh And then my other question for you is, is what is the furthest north you've ever been?
1: Me, uh, Seattle. Okay.
2: I'm probably gonna go with London because I think that's actually a little higher than uh latitude wise oh, okay. than that. But yeah. yeah. Um not, nowhere near the North Pole, though my my um winters in the Midwest definitely oh, cold yeah. there. But yeah, not not Arctic temperatures for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean I've been in the snow before, but certainly nothing like that. Yeah. But I mean, what a great film. Yeah. Really. I I enjoyed it, though like I said, it's it's what? Fifty years old now. Yeah, almost. It is 1968.
2: Year of the Revolution, 49, I guess.
1: But I mean, really well written uh, dialogue. I I love just watching and listening to Patrick McGowan talk. Yes, he's great. And I had no previous knowledge of him except for Braveheart. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's That's I didn't know of any. I like you know, and I, I love when, uh, that happens when I'm watching something and I only recognize the actor from their current modern work (laughs) when they're, you know, in their golden years. Yes. And, and I can like, and it happened with, uh, Lila and I, we were watching, um, a, the great Muppet caper. Oh yeah. And the woman from game of Thrones who plays? Um, gosh, she's like the queen of Highgarden.
2: Oh yes, um, AKA Emma Peel. If you're an Avengers fan.
1: Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, but um, you know the her her mom.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so no, like the Avengers, the 1960s British series. Oh. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Which also I can recommend. But uh, another British series, uh, the Prisoner, also from the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick McGoohan. Excellent oh no way yeah yeah
1: so. but yeah it was really cool it was the same thing we were watching The Great Muppet Caper and I was like that's the lady from the Game of Thrones and like had to look it up and same thing with Patrick Magoon in this one I was like hey it's that dick from Braveheart <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: and so and Ernest Borgnine yes which, Ernest Borgnine I not love Ernest Borgnine exactly and we've talked about Ernest Borgnine before at least I have uh, on this very program uh, as we've had him in Black Hole mm-hmm. um I'm sure we'll have him in more things because, you know, pretty much any epic 60s or even 70s movie had Ernest Borgnine in it. So certainly no yeah, escaping him.
1: It wasn't until the 80s that he started becoming more of a lovable family film character. He yes. Show up as like affable
2: grandpa. Exactly. Like yes. Yep. Uh, so and and fun fact, uh, both Rock Hudson and Ernest Borgnine were in the uh, Navy. Oh, no kidding. True. Nice.
1: Nice. Leela made fun of Rock Hudson she said he doesn't know how to hold a gun
2: <laughs> well you know he's busy concentrating on acting I suppose <laughs> rather than his former military training It's funny
1: <laughs> the way he walk runs into a scene uh, it is like it's very theatrical looking. yes uh, and when the, he was holding the gun too he was still more concentrated on like presentation rather than. Yeah. Authenticity, and, and
2: that was kind of like his acting style for sure. If you kind of go back to the fifties, like there's this Douglas Sirk film. It's called All That Heaven Allows. He kind of plays a very moody, broody, uh, landscaper dude. Oh, so. Okay, um, but here he's playing more of a, like he's definitely in the captain role for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gruff and short, much like all the other main characters in this. Yeah, he who, does a
1: fantastic job of being captain. Yes, you know, because and because he lets all the other tough guys like do their thing. And you know, he lets everybody kind of just like, he lets Jim McGuin's character and even Jim Brown's character and everybody just like, cause everybody kind of butts heads a little bit. Like, you know, you know it's a very male exactly. film. Yeah. So that's like the, all anybody does, but he's great in the whole captain role of just letting people get through their
2: bluster. And then
1: he just kind of tells them what's up. Exactly.
2: So we, we open with a um, satellite re-entering the atmosphere. Yes. Um, and it turns out it's a Russian satellite and there's sort of a race to the pole to go get this satellite for right. some reason, which we don't quite know initially.
1: Right, right, exactly. It's top secret, and uh, the captain doesn't need to know. Excellent scene there with uh, Rock Hudson and the other guy just talking about like the the mission,
2: mm-hmm. you know. And so yeah, and so yeah, uh, Patrick McGoon's uh, Mr. Jones character is very secretive about why he is on board and what he's going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have. Sort of uh, helicoptered in midway up the uh, just as they're making the way up, I guess, past the Orkney Islands, which is north of uh, Scotland. There, right? Um, They get a a drop from a helicopter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jim Brown, Captain Andrews, comes down, right? Along with um, Ernest Bordine's uh, Vaslov. Maybe he's a Russian spy character, maybe he's a freedom fighter, we don't know, right? uh, that was good though. I mean,
1: yeah, no, but go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, they get picked up. And yep. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention there's thing. there's
2: a crew of marines on board submarine because they don't know what they're gonna run into right. when they get to the North Pole.
1: When they get to ice stations. Exactly.
2: Burn. So and yep. so Jim Brown is secretive about what he's doing on the submarine, mm-hmm. and and uh, Boris is also secretive about what he's doing on the submarine. Although we also get to see his character sneaking around the submarine which of course immediately kind of rings off uh alarm bells with the uh, the commander exactly um
1: yeah. yeah well i yeah i mean everybody does a good job of acting sneaky yes and and kind of not being forthcoming with each other at all which exactly you know, and which what's is what we're looking for because it's you know scene it's for
2: uh it's it seems like it's going to be, you know, an action war flick, but it's actually kind of more of a espionage thriller. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in, in military uniform, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: I thought that helicopter uh, dropping them off on the deck of the submarine via helicopter was another one of those, like, you know, another one of those aspects to this film where you could just see that anybody who's like a military enthusiast or, you know, especially at that time. Yes. Like, I can almost kind of see how maybe Howard Hughes really liked this film. Like, oh, yeah. So we had talked
2: about this is the film exactly. that
1: he locked himself in a room and watched for...
2: Almost as... I guess, actually, what happened... I did a little more research into that. Okay. Um, and we'll just do a quick sidebar on that, is that... Yes. Sorry. Um, sidebar. He... Um, it was uh, basically once the uh, film you know became available for television, right. Howard Hughes would call up his radio station that he owned in Las Vegas and have, him, have them play that TV... Play play that film on TV for him at whatever time of day. Okay. And uh, and I think it ended up getting played like 300 times over the course of a couple of years <laughs> uh, for him to watch, basically.
1: <laughs> that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that's wonderful. Because it's
2: weird and quirky, but it's also like an exercise of power.
1: Yes, exactly. Right.
2: Um. So yeah. So if we begin the journey of the submarine up to the the poles. Yep. Or the the pole. I shouldn't I shouldn't say the yeah, poles because to the North Pole. Yes, yeah, the North Pole to where Santa Claus lives. Exactly, and um, and
1: they didn't mention Santa
2: Claus once the whole movie. I, I know it like must I have was been so tempting for
1: some little tough guy aside about Santa Claus that would be like witty but like also tough. You know? Exactly. Like what what if the Russians beat us there? Yeah, we'll just have to kill Santa. I guess we had, to to,
2: we had wait till we to wait to the 80s for that to kind of happen. Uh, See, I was bred on <laughs> 80s action
1: flicks, which this was, you know, the inspiration, you could tell, yeah. for, for mm-hmm. 80s action, a lot of 80s action flicks, but uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't get that satisfaction.
2: Um, so yeah, we, we make our way up to the, the pole finally, or at least the ice, and uh, of course, uh, Captain Faraday knows a shortcut into the ice to get to the uh, the station faster, Right. Uh, but it doesn't initially quite work. Uh, they bash up into the uh, thin ice. When I, actually, the thing that I really thought was cool was, like, the ice flow detector, which had the two kind of, like, polygraph needles that displaying was the thickness of the ice. Yeah. Like, that is so cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, that and just the act of trying to break the ice from underneath. Like, exactly. Like, I didn't
2: know that submarines did that. Yeah. Well, they've yeah. So, hopefully, yeah, their conning tower is, like, reinforced so they don't, like... You know, right, crush everything. I would, about, right. I would imagine periscopes and antennas and shit it. on top.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I did notice actually at one point uh, uh, later on when they broke through the ice that uh, there some equipment kind of self, yeah, like
2: articulated <laughs> itself back up. Exactly, on, it was pretty neat. But yeah, they thought of everything. Everything. Um, so yeah, they find they actually so they tried to break through. Yep. Uh, and they decided Twice. well, didn't work. This is not going to work. We're going to have to. Uh, we're gonna to torpedo the ice because that's right. That's what real men do: is torpedo the ice.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was a brief discussion, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, the man named Brock. <laughs> yep. Said we're going to shoot a torpedo through the ice. Well, do you think that's gonna hurt us or gonna put us in any danger? And he had some clev- clever aside for it. Like, yep. If we die, <laughs> and like the torpedo company is gonna get a nasty. <laughs> And then so,
2: of course, we segue down to the torpedo room, uh, which is right next to the room where the uh, Marines are getting ready to uh, go on their mission by blindly loading and taking apart and cleaning their uh, guns. That's right. uh, Under the tutelage of Jim Brown's character Mm -hmm. who doubts their abilities as Marines.
1: Well, look, Marine, if you're (laughs) caught behind enemy lines and (laughs) lights go out. What are you going to do? Light a match? (laughs) That's what Jim Brown says. And he's
2: right so true so true and so. you know
1: the next scene they get in there right mm-hmm. to load the torpedo and there's a great, like, before, uh, you know, the guy opens the hatch or whatever. Some horrible foreshadowing happens. It's horrible <laughs> foreshadowing. Oh, my God. Yeah,
2: they're like, "What is it good? Oh, there's a little trickle. That's just something that happens every now and but, then. But and that was after it's like, oh, yeah, you got your leave to go get married. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And another thing that I think got borrowed from a lot of films later yep. on, like the stereotypical young rookie dude who's mm-hmm. like, just happy and plugged, and we're going to have a baby, <laughs> like, we're going to get married. And then, like, yeah.
2: Hold on a second. Put your red shirt on here. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was rough. That was rough, because the uh, torpedo hatch was booby-trapped. Turns out, yes. Yep. And so he went to go open it, and kaboom! That's when the breach happened. Well, yes. Another Turns
2: out the torpedo, both bays of the torpedo were, uh, bay doors of the torpedo were open, Which, of course, led to flooding the chamber and bringing down the submarine for almost a thousand feet. And then they finally recover. Yeah. Thanks to the ingenuity of, is he a spy or isn't he a spy, Mr. Jones?
1: That's right. What what was it that he...
2: uh... He he was saying that the wiring may have been switched between the two things that were showing whether or not the doors were closed. And then some sort of uh, gum or something would have been placed in the spigot to show that maybe there's a little water trickling out, but of course it wasn't little water. It was a lot of water. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The whole scene of them plummeting
1: down like a thousand fathoms or, mm-hmm. feet or whatever. That was also it was, it was really well done.
2: Yeah. You know. It was very tense. Yeah. Right, they built. They built. And we had, you know, sort of the Batman angle where, like, everyone's kind of leaning down because that's the direction they're going. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know they <laughs> kept
1: the camera angles very true to the story. Yeah, like even earlier in the film when they were just gradually going down after, after they picked up um, Captain Anders and Vaslov. Yes. And they he asked Captain Anders into his captain's quarters. They were at a slight angle mm-hmm. the whole conversation. That <laughs> was great. But yeah very tense and then they end up leveling out before um i guess imploding was what i got the yeah i think that's the the was pressure was going to do happen.
2: it and either the pressure was going to go or the uh, nuclear uh, reactor was going to go that's right um it was one or the other that's or right. it wasn't going to be pretty that's for sure but and so unfortunately uh lieutenant mills does not survive the uh the incident uh, but he was then, the
1: guy with the I'm getting married. Mm-hmm, yep, yeah, yep. Exactly. So sad. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's, either, it's either I'm about to get married. I just had a baby. Or yep. I'm two weeks from retirement.
2: Exactly. Yeah. One or the other. So, yes, yeah, so it was the guy with no seniority who got. Well, he must have had some seniority because he's a lieutenant, you know. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Pretty
1: young lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. He moves
2: up <laughs> the ranks too fast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and so then Mr. Jones, of course, rushes back to the mess and uh, pours himself a healthy glass of coffee and whiskey because yep. we know that now he's fond of his whiskey to steady his nerves. Oh, we skipped over the whole part where like uh, uh, Mr. Jones' roomie uh, wakes him up and gets a gun in his face because uh, Mr. Jones sleeps with a pistol underneath his pillow. Right, because he was called Jones
1: in his sleep. Right, he yes. He had the nerve to call me Jones <laughs> in my sleep, and when that happens, I spring out of a dead sleep and hold a gun to somebody's face. Stupid
2: trigger word. Jeez. <laughs>
1: yeah. Here, have some whiskey. Don't worry <laughs> about it.
2: So sure. So and then after uh, Captain Faraday uh, has a talking to with uh, Mister Jones, mm-hmm. and uh Mister which
1: Mister Jones outdid Rock Hudson in that
2: one. Oh yeah, definitely.
1: That was that was that was un- mm-hmm. that was a super unfortunate scene for Rock Hudson. Like yes. I don't see <laughs> how him as like you know Captain in the story lead. Pretty much, yeah, like, definitely. I'm sure
2: on every movie poster. Mm-hmm. It was Rock Hudson? Definitely in the U.S. In. He would have been the draw.
1: And yet, they let Jim McGowan's character like outman him in that yeah. scene, like so clearly. Like mm-hmm. I don't like what was that little tap? Like, <laughs> you know, Jim McGowan had the this great little like Patrick s- McGowan. Patrick McGowan. I keep calling him Jim. Patrick McGowan had that great just build up scene where he's just like you know slowly boiling. And then, like, at the end, you know, yells and pounds the table and, like, every cup flies into the air and you can see the whole table shakes and he practically breaks the table. And then Rock Hudson counters <laughs> with the same kind of slow build staring at him, all tough guy. And mm-hmm. so you think, like, okay, well, he's going to, like, he's he's got to win this one. Yeah. And and he did the same thing, but it was <laughs> de- tapping. Yeah, Nope. Tap Keep same thing. Exactly. Just pounded the
2: table but the same way you would be like darn. Exactly. <laughs> ah, it's, it's... He he knows he's defeated but he still has to make his point maybe. I don't know. But, but so yeah, and his then we also lines
1: dictated that he had won the conversation yeah, exactly. that he was the one who said like, "Look, I'm the captain of the ship. Going forward, I'm calling the shots." Yes. But you can't emphasize <laughs> that with a weaker fist pound. Yep. You can't. You have to out fist pound if you're going to even fist pound after
2: somebody else maybe, just fist
1: pounded that hard. Maybe
2: they decided that you know, in the two plus hours that it takes to tell this film, almost three hours that it takes to tell this film, um, they could only do so many takes, and they just could. That was the best they could get out of Rock Hudson in that scene. So I don't yeah, know. yeah. Um, I would
1: have loved to have been at the viewing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely you can 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 leave the trailer nice. shamed after that one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that did and then so um, then we, they finally break through the surface because they find right. well so they're saying the surface of the ice is two to three feet thick so they go up but then of course when we have the breaching scene the ice actually this way deeper than the, the two to three feet that they're talking about it's you know at least as tall as the conning tower there Yeah. Um, but you know <coughs> they break through they send out the expedition party um, and the submarine's not able to contact Ice Station Zebra so they decide to go back down and wait for their instructions. Right. Uh, and so the expedition party goes and they're slogging their way through the blazing storm. Uh, through
1: the really well-built set. Yes. Old school Hollywood mm-hmm. set.
2: Yes. Painted
1: sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, fake snow. Fake snow. Fake icebergs blocks of ice yeah. that were all of, like, uniform mm-hmm. thickness. Yep. And, and,
2: and all smoothly painted white. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was very good and so then of course yeah. we get the little ice breakage and so they're all tied together and they start falling down and evidently did not we're not trained to use their um, their ads or whatever you want to call them to uh, break their fall as they're sliding in so the captain and I think the communications guy and Mr. Jones actually kind of go in but then they're saved by uh, Ernest Bordine's character uh, Boris and uh, right. some of the other crew there and there and right. uh,
1: which is, uh, you know, also fun to watch because, you know, you have to, what is the whole suspension of disbelief yeah. because it's a 1968 Hollywood set yeah. quite clearly and watching it now, like you can't help but think all those National Geographics and stuff that you see, you know, where you're yeah. like, well, if you drop 20 feet into a chasm between a glacier, you're supposed to like go into hypothermia right <laughs> exactly <away." laughs> I'm like, how's everybody <laughs> walking around without
2: a hat on? Mm-hmm, like, yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, and so then they like kind of pulled them out just in the nick of time because, of course, the ice is compressing, crushing back again. Wasn't that great? About to crush
1: them. I love that. That was a And that, that pred- was actually when, that was Wars.
2: when the uh, actually when the submarine was like, we're gonna get the hell out of here. That's right. Because it was started crushing the sub too.
1: That's right. Um,
2: and so then a few uh, you know minutes later we make, so, finally yeah, make our way. Submarine
1: took off. But the landing crew stayed exactly at yeah. that point, which was a little tense for me because I was like <laughs> didn't understand how the submarine was just going to magically find them again.
2: Yep. So, I can't remember if it was Boris who was leading them or if they had some kind of homing beacon they were finding the zebra ice station zebra with.
1: I think Boris was just leading them. To yeah, it.
2: I think that was the case. Right. And um, oh, they, they were getting some radio assistance while the submarine was up, and maybe they got close enough that they they could yeah. see. And so that we finally make it to Ice Station Zebra,
1: the Ice Station Zebra, where there had been a fire.
2: Yes. Yep. And, and um, we go into the igloos, mm-hmm. the Quonset huts, whatever you want to call them, and there are bodies in there. Yep. And uh, at least initially, initially it seems like they're dead. But it turns out they're just suffering from hypothermia, and they're kind of logy, and um, yeah. they kind of got brought around, and, and
1: and who were those guys? I got a little s- lost. At that.
2: So um, I think they were the original people at the station, because then we find but they out they weren't the ones that laugh exactly. and
1: right are uh, talking. Mr. Jones, Jones were, talking were talking about. Yeah, about on the, on
2: and the so later. then Mr. Jones and uh, Boris go searching for the crew that they're looking for. Right. The two crews turns out yeah. that they're looking for because one of them was uh, a uh, a Russian crew and the other one was a uh, English crew. That's right, um, right
1: because they're a joint uh, just scientific discovery exactly. camp. Yeah, basically there to measure like glacial flow. Exactly,
2: sort of uh, and so we find out that um, let's see if I can find their names. Uh, anyway so yeah the the Russian turns out the Russian uh, plant had killed the English crew that was sent to tail them right. and then Goodwin Goodwin yes so yeah. he set everybody on fire yep to make it look like it was a fire going on right uh, and then it's unclear whether he shot himself or he got shot in the process of doing all this right um, they
1: said um because Vaslov and Jones were doing like a whole CSI thing. Yes, exactly. Over all the bodies. Mm-hmm. And I believe they were saying that it looks like Goodwin killed all of them and then set the fire. Right. But then, yeah, how did Goodwin die?
2: Yeah. And then, of course, he died conveniently on top of the footlocker uh, that contained um, the, weather the radio. Yep, the weather balloon and radio signaling equipment. But no film from the satellite, right? Which we uh, then shortly learn. Uh, So then they make their way over to the like. Is that the same? So there's like a research hut that they go to, right? Which is partially burned and partially not burned. And um, uh, before I tell you this part, actually, I'm going to take a quick break, okay? uh, To let you know about this Sunday,
1: we're going to be having.
2: Yes, we're going to have the AFC KWTF Fall Fundraiser. Uh, raising money for both the Francis Center and K2TF, but also we will be uh, doing a food drive with the Redwood Empire Food Bank and a coat drive with one warm coat uh, to help support uh, those affected by the fires. And um, so, yeah, please bring uh, non perishable items for food or gently used winter coats for coats. And um, there'll be Lagunitas beer and all sorts of awesome bands, including Solar Star, Sad Party. Greg Dale and the Horse You Rode In On Lucky Old Bones and Temptation Festivities start at 4 o'clock and uh, admission is $10 sliding scale at the Arlene Francis Center 99 West 6th Street Santa Rosa, California You know the place, you love the place We will be there, so should you
1: I know the place, I love the place (coughs) Fantastic venue Good price for a lot of bands
2: Yes, exactly
1: a lot of
2: fun and delicious beer if that's your thing
1: who are you to resist exactly
2: so yes we find out that um, we get the story about um, the two crews and then um, Captain Faraday finds uh, Mr. Jones rooting around in the leftover research hut looking for something Right. So then, the truth comes out. That's uh, when
1: Captain Faraday says, "So, what does this film look like?" Exactly. Yes. Jones says, "How do you know it's a film?" And Captain Jones, Faraday
2: knew all along. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. But exactly what or the film was, he didn't know. Exactly. So, uh, Jones laid in all the necessary plot points in his classic, like, quick, subdued talking. Like, I, I, I just, I love the way he talks. Yes. <laughs> it's like. Rapid but monotone, exactly, but like kind of compressed and sounding like, yeah. And he's got and that constant bubble in his throat, exactly. The time. Yeah, and
2: he's got, yeah, it's like this could easily just be like a scene chewing exposition thing, but he like does pulls it off so well, it's just like, yeah. ah yes, he's so clever, and that's all makes sense now, yeah. Yep. And then, um, just as suddenly as it had started, the storm stops, which uh, means that everybody can remove their goggles because snow blindness isn't really a thing, nope, but uh. it's all good, it's just the (laughs) North Pole (laughs) wear a light sweater (laughs) so uh, then we find out that, let's see uh,
1: so about that time um, they were frustrated because they were like, this is no way to look for this film canister, there's nobody here Uh, before that scene, I believe was when uh, Captain Faraday went out with a few of his men and dropped uh, drilled a drilled hole right. in the ice and dropped a transponder down. Yep. Which is essentially just like, looks like he dropped a microphone Which yeah, is pretty much exactly board. what it is,
2: sending out a little sonar beeps so the son- the uh, submarine can find them. And that's how the submarine found them because that exactly. made me feel better because I yes. wasn't sure how the hell the submarine was going to so find it, them. It was the good thing that they had an auger in the supply tent. Right? To drill through the ice.
1: Deep auger, too. The other cool. thing I was good thinking about,
2: um, you know, pop culture wise. Uh, watching this film is like I was sure that any moment um, one of these guys was going to bust out extra legs and stuff, a la, um the thing, whether the original uh, Howard <laughs> Hawks version or the uh, John Carpenter version. Yeah, but uh, didn't happen either. Um,
1: <laughs> it's just like a vampire walking. Yeah. Of nowhere. <laughs> but yeah, so so and then the submarine—that's uh, right after Jones freaked out and said we're never going to find it. The submarine breached. And the captain basically said, everybody start looking for the film.
2: Yep, exactly. So they get their radio crew out there who can like adjust the frequency for the finder that they found. Mm -hmm. And uh, Captain Faraday finds another little item. So all these things are like hidden in the tank of the snowcat they have there. Right. The gun. Faraday finally realizes
1: when he sees a bunch of gasoline-soaked rags right outside the snowcat. And he's like, wait a
2: second.
1: (laughs) And he starts digging in it and he finds a transponder. Yep and he plays with it and he's like this is amazing and he starts following the transponder when wouldn't you know out of nowhere a gloved fist delivers <laughs> a striking blow with a crowbar right to his larynx yeah brutal crowbar <laughs> to the throat chop with ow like that was the most painful looking thing i've ever seen
2: worst discovery ever damn like, um,
1: yeah, that was brutal. And so right away, I still didn't know who uh, had delivered the chop. But then lurking around the corner. Evil Ernest Borgnine. Evil Ernest <laughs> Borgnine with hacky, hacky Russian accent. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Which he's, w- he's one good. of the first things he said, actually, when he came into the movie was, Yes, Captain, I would love a good cup of your strong American coffee. I was like, oh, and yeah,
2: his outfit is totally like Russian peasant, like, corduroy uh, side <laughs> neck <laughs> yeah, shirt. <laughs> yeah,
1: right off the potato farm.
2: Yeah, totally. exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Blousy peasant
1: shirt. <laughs> blousy like, but thick brown wool pants. And exactly. Like, that, like, cap that's, like, slouched to <laughs> one side. <And> yeah. Yuri!
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we find out that, um, all this is happening. Of course, yep. we also find out the Russians are on the way. That's right. So we've got uh, some jets. Uh, some, some pretty good model work there. I'll give them that. You know, this is only eight years before we have Star Wars. So.
1: It was decent. Yeah. Actually. They um, even made the jets and, like, they canted the jets mm-hmm. to the left and, like, the rushing landscape, but (laughs) he matched it. It was pretty like they went around a mountain or something. Exactly, yeah. That was great.
2: Uh, And then they also, like when the second wave of jets comes, they actually mix in some real Russian fighters flowing overhead uh, footage-wise. Yep. yep. Um, Impressive. And so they're still frantically trying to find the the, um, module, the capsule is what they call it. Right. But then there's a tense scene where Jim
1: Brown, a.k.a. Yes. Captain Anders. Oh, that's
2: right. I'm skipping ahead there, so. Discovers
1: Ernest Borgnine <laughs> yes. over the body, a supposed body of uh, Jones. We haven't, Jones haven't, hasn't moved since the uh, crowbar chopped the throat yet, so we're not so sure about him. And it was weird. I think, oh, basically, that's right. Uh, Ernest Borgnine's deal with uh, Captain Anders was, hey, attack me with the crowbar, He was holding a gun on him and he said, attack me with a crowbar so that I can kill you. Yes. And then I'll make you look like the traitor. Exactly. And Captain Anders said, "Uh, no, that's dumb because you're going to kill me anyway.
2: But of course, it transpires
1: that he has to do it anyway. And then. Well, yeah, because then Ernest nine said, well, no, it's not so dumb because you can either die like a steer or you can <laughs> die like a bull. Yes. Bull gets a crowbar. Classic, so pick up the damn crowbar. Classic he's like, Russian oh, metaphor. You're right. <laughs> 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 yeah, Russian, classic Russian metaphor works every time. <laughs> and then a fight ensues. And, and unfortunately, that's when Jones comes to. Yes, and so and of course, because he thinks Anders has a crowbar yep. in his hand. And that's Jones what hit him in larynx. the larynx. <laughs> immediate connection up end. Jones has been suspecting Anders
2: all along. For some weird reason, but, you know, somewhat justified in Jones's perspective.
1: Right. I think he almost kind of equated it uh, a little later because earlier he had said, well, Captain Anders kind of came on the scene out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and like nobody had really ever met him before, but he came with all the impeccable recommendations. And then he said the same exact thing later on when he was doing his little like exposition to Captain Faraday when he was talking about Goodwin. Yes, he was saying the same kind of thing like, "Oh well, yeah, Goodwin just showed up on the scene with impeccable credentials, but nobody had ever heard of him." <laughs> so, um, but I just thought he was being racist. That that was my take <laughs> on that too. It's like, "Oh, you limey racist! Of course, you think the only black man on the submarine." Uh, uh, I think there was me.
2: an African American in the mess, uh, in the in the galley or whatever you want to. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I just recall that briefly in the very beginning of the film, like, "Oh, of course, that's the only African American dude on the submarine," but. yeah. Um, they have to helicopter
1: <laughs> black people in <laughs> to submarines diversity
2: but, in the in military services. No way.
1: So then, so then unfortunately, captain uh, Anders gets killed by Jones and yes. Jones thinks he's killed the traitor. And Yuri's just like, what are Vaslav's like, wow, that really worked out well for me. Yep. I'll just continue to play along. Right.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and that's when the Russians show up. Uh,
1: Pretty much.
2: I yeah, so I we get the be... jets, and then we get the, uh, the, the uh, I think they're Tupelovs, uh, but not the big giant bombers, just like paratrooper planes. Mm-hmm. And they drop off Russian paratroopers, of course. Yep. And they've located, uh, meanwhile, the Americans have located uh, the location of the capsule, which, of course, beneath the ice. Yeah. And uh, blinking red, because it's booby-trapped. That's right. And uh, That's at some tra- point, uh, Captain <laughs> Faraday, I believe, also finds in the gas tank of the snowcat... Uh, the um, detonator for said booby trap, right? Because the gas tank
1: of the snowcat is like a never-ending co- cornucopia <laughs> of just gifts. There was a, there was a gun in there, <laughs> there was the original locator thing, and yeah, and then there was the detonator. Uh, and then when the Russian paratroopers finally kind of came on the scene, the leader of the Russian army. Mm-hmm. Uh, also had a detonator.
2: Yes, yeah, so we're like, hmm, what's the extra detonator going to be for? Right. So after they acetylene torch the capsule out of the ice. Yeah. Uh, totally it, safe. Yep. Um, <laughs> there, there's the confrontation between the Russians and the Americans, and uh, the Russians explain that they're just there to retrieve the capsule. Nothing nefarious going on here. <laughs> and. Uh, um, Captain Faraday says that, well, they are just there to reclaim the film, which is uh, property of the allies. We their NATO, whatever you want to call it. Right. And um, you can have your capsule
1: as soon as we get our film and our camera.
2: Exactly. So he has uh, Boris uh, disarm the uh, booby trap and retrieve the thing. And so yep. Boris, of course is like, sweet, I've got this. I'm just going to go make a break for it. Right. But uh, Mr. Jones has come back from, he uh, staggers out of yes. the tent.
1: Finally, they've kind of fixed him <coughs> up a little bit and he kind of staggers on over without anybody noticing mm-hmm. too much all the way over to where Vaslov is finally extracting the film and the booby trap and everything and he grabs a decoy film out of <laughs> his pocket and just kind of tosses it in the snow next to Vaslov and says hey you know what to do
2: cause he's now incorrect in his as assumption like, but it, it works Sort of, right. Um, and then and
1: at that point, I don't think I think Far
2: both Faraday and Jones still don't know exactly that Ernest Borgnine yep. is a traitor. And so and the Russian guy makes it clear that all of his men's are crack shots and they are un in strategically located behind cover. That's right. So the Americans better not try anything. Right. And then of course, um, what happens to? Oh, so um, then so. They hand over the capsule minus the film to the Russians. Um, right. The Russians take it, and but or then no, with the there's the one film. Marine, right, with the decoy film, right. and then the one Marine is like, no way, that's staying with the Americans. Wait, no, but so they handed
1: over the... Right. And then the guy looked at the film or whatever, and then he gave
2: a command. And for some reason, they shot a bunch of yellow smoke bombs. Right, yeah. So so all of his crack shots also come out of the woodworks and are no longer strategically placed behind cover. Right. But anyway. So uh, so then a a little gunfire ensues.
1: Nobody really gets hurt. And then they all say, stop it, stop it, stop it. And then in the middle of that yellow smoke thing, uh, Jones is running back towards the American side. Right. And he almost runs into Vaslov who's running towards the Russians. And I think it's at that point that yes. Jones is like, wait, you're running the wrong way. Aha! Mm-hmm. You tricked so us all along. And then struggle ensues. Struggle ensues. The yellow smoke clears and everybody's looking at the two of them.
2: Boris is choked by his own drawstring. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah,
1: that's right. Jones uh, choked him by his own sweater. He sweatered him. And uh, it's sad. And then, uh, but then when he, after he sweatered him, he like grabbed like the actual film case out of vaslov's pocket. But then like everybody was just standing there watching him do it. It was a weird
2: scene. Yeah.
1: It was just weird. Like, it was a weird, like, like it was almost like the whole story stopped and everybody was like, well, so you, <laughs> like, why are we all? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, and it's and really it's, really so then
2: transpires. So then the turns out the Russians are going to bring the capsule up with a lift via the hot air balloon. Right. Well, Lieutenant Walker point, is like, no The Russians no way. just get it. They're yeah. just like,
1: okay, that's right. The Russians are all, give us the film and Jones is like there's no way and then Faraday draws his gun and he says right. give them the film and at that point I was like Faraday's a Russian because I forgot he yep. had a detonator
2: <laughs> not <laughs> so dumb after all <laughs> so yeah Yeah, and this, that's when Lieutenant Walker is like oh no way <laughs> the Russians are not getting this the what? the Russians are not getting this so Lieutenant, yeah Lieutenant Walker is the one with the rifle he's like no way the Russians are not getting this
1: Right. That's when. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Lieutenant, because Lieutenant Walker, I think, didn't
1: know about Captain right. Faraday's uh, detonator, unfortunately. Exactly. His yeah. cunning Poor plan. dumb kid.
2: <laughs> All the rookies who get play, Played by Tony Bill, who I'll mention a little bit uh, as soon as we get through the plot line here. Yes. Um, and so then, yeah, they put the weather balloon up. Uh, and for some reason, they sent a jet to scoop it up. Seems like they would have sent one of the subsonic planes to go That's grab that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Suspension, willing suspension of disbelief. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, you've already <laughs> gotten to this point. So they're just like, come on. <laughs> and so the weather balloon is grabbed. The detonator goes off. That's right. No Captain more Faraday. Yep. So it turns out it was a mutual misunderstanding. Nothing happened here. Uh, two great nuclear superpowers work together to uh, provide safety for.
1: Yeah. The very tall, threatening uh, 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 leader of the Russian uh fighting force there mm-hmm. all of a sudden became very diplomatic and contrite and he's like you know what just happened here a mission accomplished Exactly. it blew up <laughs> it's all good <laughs> I don't like war Do you <laughs> like, it's kind, of, it kind of hilarious
2: always nice when it works out that way and so we get the teletype sequence at the end saying you know what the cover story was for the whole incident yeah yeah
1: but um, we know it happened because we're there exactly <laughs> and then yep that was it that was a fantastic I mean if you're going to go and watch a submarine film you should watch Das Boot because that was a really good submarine Das Boot
2: I'm also a fan of Operation Petticoat both the film and when I was a kid I loved the TV series it was short lived I think it had maybe a season and a half Okay. um starring John Aston as the captain and Randy Mantooth as uh the Tony Curtis character hmm. anyway um I've heard that's of enough it. of my trivial knowledge yeah. uh, actually I have some more trivial knowledge for you which is lieutenant Wa- um was it Lieutenant Walker yeah Lieutenant Walker played by Tony Bill Tony, Tony, Tony C- Bill ended up directing um my bodyguard in the 80s which is an awesome kind of uh coming of age film um starring Chris Makepeace I think anyway it's it's actually pretty charming and worth watching if you're okay. My Bodyguard. My Bodyguard, exactly. Like a kid's movie? Mm, uh, late, like probably preteen, teen movie. Interesting. Feel good kind of thing, sure. you know. Kid gets bullied at school, blah, blah. Ah, <laughs> gotcha. Nice. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That was a pretty good uh, pretty good film. And yeah,
1: that's all I'm going to say. I really just liked the... I liked the submarine shots. I liked the story too, because like it was fun mm-hmm. little spy story. The dialogue—it was fun just to watch Patrick McGowan, McGowan, McGowan deliver his lines, because he's just got a great voice and everything. Yeah, and great presence. Um, um, but yeah, like really like the just watching a submarine go. For some reason, I'm a simple, simple <laughs> person, and I don't. The know underwater what it footage
2: is, was pretty quality. I have to say.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, just watching... Yeah, just that basic underwater footage of it, like, diving and stuff was... And, uh, 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 you know, traveling under the ice, too. Mm -hmm. That was great. Yeah. Also, don't know if that... That's probably all fake, I would imagine. It seemed
2: like it was pretty fake, although, like, the model had to be pretty big, because, like, I was kind of, like, checking out the air bubbles and stuff that were coming out of it. Yeah. And some of them were pretty fine, so I think it would be hard to get, you know... Right. So... And then Maybe, the music
1: for that, too, is fantastic. Yeah,
2: the music was amazing. So, yeah, if you can check out the uh, the soundtrack by Michelle Legrand, it's actually it's it's pretty good. When I picked this up in the dollar bin, I'm like, eh, this could be either hit or miss. I'm like, it's actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, 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 pretty impressive.
2: Not not uh, like whistle home, remembering the tunes kind of thing, like uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Um, but...
1: Yeah, I, did, <laughs> I mean, if I'd seen this in the theater, I probably would have walked out going like, <laughs> dun, 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 dun.
2: <laughs> exactly. Very very dramatic. Yep. So uh, that about wraps it us up for here. Thank you for joining me, Stephen Hey, no uh, problem. Happy to be here. Here on the fun 88.1 KWTF Bay KWTF.net on the internet. You are tuned into vinylomatic. I'm your old pal Will. What do we have next month for the vinylomatic movie, you ask? Tell us. Let us find out if I can press the right buttons and get the right volume going on here.
1: Will I recognize the film?
2: I think you might
1: jesus you've started to believe the
0: things they say of you you really do believe this talk of god is true
2: He said he loved me. I'd be lost, I'd be frightened. I couldn't cope,
0: just couldn't cope. I'd turn
2: my head, I'd back away. I would.
1: So, you are the Christ. You're the great Jesus
2: Christ. Prove to me that you're divine. Change my water into wine. Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify!
0: Crucify! 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 And now, Grand Hotel, starring Greta Garbo, John Barrymore, Joan Crawford, Wallace Berry, and Lionel Barrymore. But first, a word from our alternate sponsor. Friends, do you have wobbly dentures?